The AIBP ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast is a series of fireside chats with business leaders in Southeast Asia focused on growth in the region. Topics discussed include business strategy, sales and marketing, enterprise technology, and innovation. Welcome to the AIBP ASEAN B2B Growth Podcast, where we sit down with individuals responsible for driving growth of their businesses and organizations here in Southeast Asia. This is Sugun. In this episode, I'm very honored to be joined by Puan Intan, representing CIRIM as the Chief Future Officer. CIRIM is a premier industrial research and technology organization in Malaysia, a wholly owned company of the government under the Ministry of Investment, Trade, and industry. Our guest today, Puan Intan, has a very interesting background. In over 28 years of work experience in companies like Shell, Iskandar Investment, Malaysia Airports Holding, she has dabbled in many different domains from IT, digital, and business, and in both private and public sectors. Puan Intan, can I get you to share a bit more about yourself, your role in Sirim? and what your very futuristic title means to our audience today. Right. Thank you, Suyin, and thank you, IBP, for having me uh, in this podcast. Um, I have a more or less 28 years of experience in IT, so all my life is about IT. I have a degree, a master's degree in computer studies. Um, so I, I normally would like to have a very, very diverse experience in IT industry. So I would like to have like, all the experience and complete my IT uh, landscape uh, for to say. That's why you see that I have a quite colourful kind of uh, experience there. Mm-hmm. So I've been a CEO once and I've been a IT technician once. <laughs> I also involved in application development, in infrastructure. So all wide range of uh, IT uh, prospecting and IT industry. So, so that's about sum up on my career in, in IT industry, Suyin. <laughs> yeah, I, I think when um we first met last year, um you were actually holding more of the role of a chief digital officer. Uh, can you walk us through a little bit more about what does chief future officer mean? What does future mean in this role itself? Right. Um, this uh, this position is coined by my president, the uh, president of Sirim Berhad. Uh, my re- main responsibility is to assist Sirim to be more agile and future-ready business model via digital data and technology. So looking after all the frontier technology projects and then make sure that Sirim is actually uh, embarking on this. And then uh, we would like to transform into from a brick and mortar kind of services into a digital kind of a services. So that sums up uh, what is a chief future office is all about. Uh, it's all about digitalization and having all this uh, series to mm-hmm. embark in the digital uh, space. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe if, for the benefit of audience, if you could um, give us a little short introduction about what CIRIM is, what's the mandate, um, what kind of programs and projects you run uh, internally within CIRIM. Right. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Sirim is a corporate organization owned by a uh, wholly owned by Malaysian government. We are under now Ministry of Investment, Trade and Industry. Uh, they have changed a little bit name uh, from uh, international into investment. Uh, we have been trusted by the Malaysian government. 
to be the national organization for standards and quality and as a promoter of technological excellence in the Malaysian industry. So our tagline is your partner for innovation. Mm -hmm. So we are much more um, in terms of helping the industry in the innovation space, technology space and advocating about standards, quality um, uh, through our testing, inspection and certification services. So we have a we have a wide range of services that help industry. Um, I would like to actually normally introduce a CRIM as we handhold the industry from zero to hero. So <laughs> if they, yeah, if they want to um, have one product that they want to innovate and they want to create, they can come to CRIM and we will do all the research and uh, development for them. And then we can actually get them to um, commercialize it and then um, going to uh, certification, testing, inspection that complies to the international standards. So that's how CRIM helps the industry. I think I should steal this tagline sometime later. Your partner for innovation and helping companies uh, from zero to hero. Yes. Um, you should register it as your trademark in, <laughs> in case someone else steals it, right? And use this tagline for, for themselves. Uh, yeah. But that's actually a huge responsibility um, as a government agency. And I think within this government agency, you also hold a very important responsibility uh, driving digital, driving data and innovation within and uh, in, in, internally and externally itself. Um, what are some of the big, biggest challenges you face in your role? How, how, are, how do you see your journey along this career from previously private sector to now public sector evolve? So the, the key challenges is all about the people because the people is much more complex than a normal technological or machine kind of a way. So normally what, what I face is the resistance to change. Uh, it's always about cultural um, and mindset change. Uh, that is the most uh, biggest challenges that I face in my whole career life. Apart from introducing technology pits and everything is, is, a, is a given, but the biggest challenges is all about people. So a lot of our effort uh, in many, many um, years of experience that I had uh, handling all the projects in IT or digital space is all about having uh, people to adopt, uh, adapt, uh, and then uh, buy-in from the stakeholders, from the board of directors, from the top management. So that is part of the biggest challenges. I think is is always is a given kind of a challenges by mm -hmm. all CIOs and CDOs in this world. Yeah, I think um, that's something that we hear a lot, uh, not yeah. just in Malaysia, right? Uh, across yeah. Southeast Asia, different industries have different kind of challenges, uh, but people, culture and talent management, these are the common topics that have been brought up a lot and a lot uh, over the past couple of years. Um, maybe if we could take a step back a bit more, right? Um, I think Sirim, uh, you are very, um, I would say you are an advocate to help companies, enterprises in Malaysia itself uh, with their digital transformation journey. But internally within Sirim itself, could you tell us a little bit more about um, what is the overall journey vision and goals for Sirim uh, in your digital transformation journey past 10 years, past five years, past two years? How, have it, how has it evolved? Um, digital transformation in many parts of a company, inclusive Sirim, is always about 
corporate strategies. Uh, so years in in uh, year 2016, Sirim embarking uh, a strategic kind of a, a journey, a corporate strategy uh, kind of a journey to um, to make sure that Sirim uh, is sustainable uh, financially and and also uh, relevant to the industry uh, future mm-hmm. uh, years to come. So what we had is um, in a digital transformation roadmap is actually ties back to the corporate strategy. It's not about a standalone kind of a digital transformation roadmap. Mm-hmm. So the initial vision of a goal is actually to transform uh, from a brick and mortar business services to a digital services. So, so while we have some challenges along the way, we kept uh, pivoting our approach and keep our North Star intact. That means to establish a Siri mall that is an e-commerce for Siri product and services. So how we approach uh, digital transformation is we started uh, to cloudify our on-premise infrastructure in 2019. And then we modernize our legacy IT architecture from a very traditional monolithic uh, kind of architecture into a microservices architecture so that we can have an agile development in 2021. And we continue to modernize our legacy ERP systems in 2022. And now um, uh, throughout the years uh, from 2019, since I'm on board, we we introduce uh, what we call a democratized application development. We get all the staff series mm. to do their own application development through our low code, no code um, uh, emerging technologies. Mm. And then uh, we we have a, a services now we uh, commercially uh, called a Serum Hack, uh, so that we can actually have that democratized application development for the rest of the industry as well. So this is how. How our digital transformation from a corporate strategy that we want to change a brick and mortar into a digital services, and how I translate it into more uh, techni- technical and technological advancements in in a series. Oh, that sounds like a lot of uh, fun. A <laughs> uh, lot of uh, sounds like a lot of uh, I would say many things to cover. Uh, not just internally within your team, right? Because you have to work cross functions, corporate, yes. uh, different corporate transformation journey. They have to work on their own applications. Yes. Um, any highlights? Any interesting new use case that you found out when you work on, uh, this so-called demarketization of applications? What are the new things that come out of it that you've not expected? We found out that um, uh, hackathon is a normal kind of buzzwords, but in Serum, it turns out to be a game changer in terms of uh, adoption of technology, in terms of change management, uh, whereby we managed to get you know non-IT literate, zero knowledge of IT, uh, come, come on board and then have fun and develop all sorts of applications to help them to, uh, to improve their productivity. And it's ranging from uh, 25 years old until 55 years old. So mm-hmm. we, we were surprised that many of them enjoy uh, and we have fun. Of course, we have some monetary kind of a, a reward for them. <laughs> but most of important, uh, they, they have fun. It's a, like a 48 hours. We managed to create many applications and prototypes and some of them are actually being used until today uh, <laughs> as part. And, and we, we IT folks, uh, got nothing to do with that. I mean, it's, it's, it's their effort and their glory, we glorify them. We get them to present to the top management um, 
uh, whatever they have uh, developed. Hmm. And uh, they managed to do all sorts of things. Really. I was surprised. And they are doing it better than IT folks. <laughs> that, was so, that was so surprising. Uh, and we continued to do it every year. At one time, we managed to do three hackathons per year. Wow, that's a lot. Uh, is there yeah. a theme for each hackathon? Yeah, we have a team. Uh, we have data-driven. We have just automate. We have... Um, um uh many other you know many other um uh workflows automation i mean we we try to make it different different kind of a uh, uh, team each each time yeah will you be envisioning something like this to uh perhaps be transition into a hackathon for external partners as well so the industries that partners that you're working with the companies that you're consulting uh is there something you're envisioning to happen in the near future yes we uh we are actually now working um uh with a partner uh to actually have this to to get the industry to adopt it because uh during that that the hackathon, we found out we unleash internal talents. Mm. And we have a lot of, I mean, the industry all over Malaysia, all over the world, have their own internal talents and they do not actually optimize their internal talents. They, they mm. try to find outsiders and everything, but it doesn't working as much as they would like to be. Then uh, what we found out is if you actually use the internet talent, give the support, um, teach them how to use it and make it fun, uh, you, you can actually have a lot of uh, savings. For example, like uh, we, we calculate the cost avoidance of having our internal uh, hackathon is about close to 2 million ringgit for the whole uh, journey because we don't don't need an external vendor to develop our own workflows, a simple, simple ones, yeah? And then we don't actually get um, to have external people to come and do a lot of uh, training, a lot of consultancy. So it's, it's all about innovation. It's all about experimenting and then, uh, and then make it better and better. So what we're trying to advocate is for others to actually join the bandwagon and then save some a lot of their monies, optimize the current infrastructure that they have. If they don't have the current infrastructure, they can actually pay a small amount of money and, and leverage a serum kind of infrastructure. So this is what we're trying to advocate um, the industry to actually look up, look, look out for their internal talent, look out for their internal infrastructure. They don't need to invest a lot of money to do the digitalization or digitization. That's what we're trying to advocate. Yes, I think you don't have the problem that some of the, the CDOs or CIOs or CTOs face, right? Uh, most of the time when they look into like building up new applications or revamping their infrastructure, uh, it comes with the cost typically. Yes, yes. Uh, what you're looking at is to take the cost away by yes. enabling your internal workforce to make sure they are up to standard, they can build more business models that can sustain uh, the business or the organization goals itself. Yeah, and then we found out that uh, we don't have a lot of problems in getting the requirements right. You know, when we do the application development, there's a lot of effort in terms of understanding the business requirement, user requirement, blah, blah, blah. And then we end up not, not develop the, the application that they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So when we have all these things, uh, we found out that uh, some of the issues that the CIO shared that you end up with so many applications. I said, it's okay. It's okay that you end up so many applications because they want to try and experiment the application. So once they, they shock, you know, they, they get the hang of it, they mm. will ask us for more and complete and better uh, application. That's where we we managed to uh, transform their mini miniature kind of application into a full-fledged application. So we don't have a lot of mistakes or white elephant kind of application development uh, throughout the years. Um, some, some of the CIOs reluctant to do this. I, I understand that because they will get, you know, so many applications, you know, they can control and everything. But in this um, era, Suyin, we must empower people and democratize the application development. We can't actually control everything. Uh, even you try to control, people are viral in the social media as well. So, <laughs> so might as well like let them enjoy and do something. But we, we need to look into the security part as a holistic. So mm-hmm. we, we need to protect the data. We need to make sure that infrastructure is secured. We need to make sure that you know, all the cybersecurity measures is taken care of, you know, uh, the endpoints is taken care of. So th- that part is the, the role of IT now. We are much more looking at the uh, infrastructure kind of security. We're looking at uh, more having a lot of tools that, that can uh, enable people to do a lot of things, so, so these are the things that we try to see. And then we, we always look for a cost-effective tools. Nowadays, I tell you, you can get everything for free. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to develop a web uh, site, it's free. Mm-hmm. You want to have an accounting system, it's free. <laughs> There's a lot of things are free nowadays, yeah? Yep. So so this is where we, we become a much more a researcher kind of environment where we experiment uh, pockets and bits and pieces of technology and make it um, available to the uh, end user and see whether this is working for them. So our rules are changing right now. So it's no longer controlling. I mean, some parts of the industry like banking and everything, everything, they, they will have that control, yeah, because mm-hmm. they are protecting a lot of uh, people's money and the financial and everything. But for, for Sirim, we, we are partner for the innovation. So we need to experiment and we need to uh, looking for ways and means to innovate. Yeah. You, you mentioned quite a couple of points that I really want to uh, go back on, right? One is about um, data sharing. Uh, so maybe when a uh, different business use it, use, users, they have different business pain points when they curate different solutions to it. How do you combine these functions, for example, from the finance segment uh, down to the HR segment, down to the customer segment? Um, how do you bring all this data together um, to make sure that there is a single source of truth? Uh, I think that's one of the main thing that uh, a lot of uh, one of the key themes that we are looking at is to how do I align different data from different sources together to make sure that it's um applicable uh, and makes sense for the overall organization. So some of the companies they they use a lot of big data and everything. At, at this moment in time, Serim, uh, we build our own data warehousing using a uh, uh, simple data database. Um, so it's a, a free source, uh, open source, open source. 
And um, we we actually aggregate the data based on the business needs. Yeah. For example, like if you're looking at the top line or bottom line or customer experience and the uh, employee experience, so we aggregate the data based on the needs. So yeah. it's not about the uh, the requirement of having analytics, having the technology wonders or marvels, but it's all about business needs. At this moment in time, we use whatever we have uh, um, because we are on Azure. Uh, and then we also um, have uh, many other uh, tools uh, to play around with. So we work with local partners. There's a lot of local partners which is, which is uh, using a lot of big data tools and then have a cost-effective kind of a way. So sometimes we actually advise the, the users, they don't need a big data analytics because uh, what they, they want is a normal dashboard, a normal Power BI to understand where the data, what's the data and what's actually addressing their problems. So it, it's, it's all about the needs uh, to case basis. Um, whenever we have that requirement, we, we take it, uh, we, we use it and we uh, build that for, for them. Uh, because at the end of the day, I do not want uh, IT to impose a lot of things and then... Uh, Nothing it, gets uh, done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he said that uh, this is not my project. This is IT project. That's, that was the case uh, in my previous experience. Uh, they, they don't want to onboard into analytics because they said, this is not my, my project. This is mm-hmm. an IT project. So I turned the table around. So we, we're not saying that we are reactive, but we have to actually... Um, showcase some of the technology but sometimes when you showcase the technology to the end user they couldn't grasp it so we have to talk to their language so we need to ask them what are their problems so that's the issues we analytics is not about IT problems analytics is the business problem so the business needs to understand what is their problem (laughs) so most of the time they don't know what's the problem and they ask us to come up with the analytics which is wrong I think uh, all your team members can work in different functions after they work with you right because they have to (laughs) learn to talk the business language uh, to different people and convince them Uh, yeah what what I did is I sent I call it a job mobility some people say job (laughs) mobility is different but I send my people to be at the business for a few months so they have to work at the business for two days and then they have to work in IT for three days. Mm-hmm. So they they now, they actually mobilize to the business and understand. At first, they say that, one, I cannot work like this. You know, I, I got a headache. People actually condemning IT. So I said, now you understand what the business problems. Mm. Uh, so I we, uh, it's quite successful in that sense. We send... Um, uh, to date, we already sent about five people, the senior staff, to be at the business side and understand what the business problems. And then they come back and then they understand more how to help the business. So it's not the other way around. See, It's not like, you know, when they have a user requirement, we go then and we listen and then we come back. We don't know. We haven't got a clue how to resolve. Now I say you go there and sit with them for three months and then come back. And then it's, it's working. Now it's working. When you first uh, adopt this kind of practice, um, was there any concern um, when you faced within 
by the end users team and also internally? Yeah, my, my people quite demotivated in that sense because whenever they go to an end user, they get bashing. Yeah. Oh, your IT sucks. You are no. <laughs> that kind of. I mean, you can you can uh, imagine. Uh, yeah. 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 You imagine that. So, um, and then the end user is quite skeptical. Why IT folks are here? You know, are you trying to uh, meddle with us? Are you going to take our job? Are you going to automate and everything and release our, our role? That kind of a thing. So, in time, they understand that we are trying to understand them. Uh, mm-hmm. And then after maybe a month or two, they, they, get, to, uh, they get to appreciate why we do this. Yeah, previously is quite skeptical in that sense, but we are going to continue to do that, and then it will be part of. Um, at least we get some some new experience. I mean, my people will get new experience. You know, they have been working in IT for twenty years, for fifteen years, sitting down at their workspace. You know, and then uh, now they get to work with the other role they get to understand other businesses so whenever they want to move to another role it's easier for them at least they felt that they have a career advancement uh, they have some experience uh, uh, rather than IT so this is part of our parcel of talent development talent management as well so it's not yeah. about yeah understanding the end user that's very um I would say quite um interesting perspective right you're, you're actually driving talent from many different fronts already uh internally externally uh within your own team as well uh not just from a serene internal perspective uh that's a lot to cover just uh on an upscaling perspective um back to the challenges part right uh i do want to check in with you because uh many different applications are coming up with internally externally between the applications between infrastructure, the lines are, I think, becoming quite blurred. And um, in this sense, right, a lot of our um, respondents in our recent survey uh, actually quoted data security or cyber security is one of the critical concerns that they face when it comes to digital transformation or embarking on a new journey. Um, what's your advice or best practice when, when uh, you, you hear about this kind of questions or feedback? Um, to be honest with you, data security is uh, is uh, is different. Uh, is different issues for different organizations. So, for example, like some organizations take data security uh, up to the top notch. You know, you can't even have a, a USB, and then you 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 protect everything. You have all the containers and everything like so. But some organization, um, for example, like in Serum, we are research and technology. We we need to experiment things and everything. Once you, um, you know. Hand hold hand tight everything, and then you you can't you can't do everything. So the creativity on having innovation is hampered. Yeah. Mm. So there's a there's a balance between having that data security uh, and also having the innovation uh, in place. So, but uh, uh, for certain certain data that is so critical, that is so confidential. Obviously, you need to secure it. Obviously, there's no qualms about it. You need to secure. You need to protect it by all means. Yeah, mm. but some of um, uh, areas uh, we need to make sure that we exercise some uh, flexibilities. You know, for example, like I, I let you know, like 
analytics, yeah, mm-hmm. data analytics. If you, um, you know, you protect everything, you can't do analytics because um, you, you cannot uh, assess uh, uh, employee data and how you're going to uh, regress it, how you're going to play around with it. You play around with the sample data. The sample data is not uh, reflecting to a true data. Uh, so, so all of these, uh, you can't actually experiment and then come up with a very good, solid um, uh, uh, analytics uh, for the company. So there's certain things that you need to open up and certain things that you really need to secure it. For example, like secrets of a, a strategy of a company, you can't actually blabbing to a lot of people, right? You need to mm. really protect it. Uh, and, and there's a lot of a strategy that you are in place that, uh, the competitors need to be um, uh, not not to know about it. So you need to protect it and to make sure that it's not being uh, relinquished to uh, the public, right? So so whatever whatever the security measures that you have applicable for that organization is always tied back to the people, processes, technology, and funding. Right. Uh, if if you if you want to do a lot of data security and you don't have the funding, then I can't say that you are not secured. <laughs> so, so I always uh, cautious about having advice on the data security side because it's always uh, what is important for the organization. Uh, and then uh, we, we need to really look into that uh, space. So I'm, I'm not like uh, saying that... Um, you know, make it's it not important. Yeah, yeah, it's not important. It's very, very important. It depending on uh, your organization. I mean, for for uh, for a company that really protecting their design, for example, and protecting about their IPs, intellectual properties. Obviously, they must have a very, very extreme secure measure because otherwise, that design. Uh, fall into the competitor and the competitor will get it and then, you know, uh, make You're it behind. Yeah. So, so these are the things. And, and the role of CIRIM is to be the partner of innovation. We need to, you know, experiment it with the industry. We need to work with the industry. And then, um, so certain parts that we have to share with them and certain parts that we can't really share with them. So this mm-hmm. is... Yeah, you you uh you have to be uh ahead of the curve because you are leading the group of companies and enterprises that you are working with. Yeah, that's that's correct. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of um up and coming tech innovation business data analytics leader of the future. They are listening in this um episode, right? I think a lot of them um uh what I'm hoping to get an advice from Puan Intan is more about like your personal. Um, experience in some of this journey. Um, talking about innovation, how how do you see, I would say, for a new person, when let's say I'm taking on a new project, new initiative, how do you prioritize and allocate resources for different types of innovation initiatives uh, uh, personally and also organi- organizationally? So at the end of the day, you know, for example, like in CIRIM, uh, our digital transformation roadmap is all about looking at the top line, bottom line, looking mm-hmm. at the customer experience and looking at the employee experience. So whatever your priority, it depends on your business goals. So I always say that what is the flavor of the year? 
uh, of that year. So, for example, like the flavor of the year is the company, uh, the the organization needs to look into the top line. So, whatever your digital strategies that you have planned, uh, you, you know, you normally have a plan, right? And then that plan is actually covers for the whole business goals for your top line, bottom line, and your customer experience, employee experience. There is like five years plan. So whenever you have a five year plan, you have hundreds of initiatives to do. Which one is the priority one? So you need to understand what is the uh, key message of your uh, top management of that year. For example, uh, that year they want to uh, look into the customer experience. So make a lot of your effort or digital strategies in line to the customer experience. So if the 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 flavor of the year is about um, strengthening your internal capabilities, for example, like in Serum, we would like to strengthen our ERP because our ERP systems have been there for 30, 20 years. So we need to modernize it. So all the efforts, all the business users that working towards uh, modernizing that ERP system. So these are the priorities and they know that this is the top priority. So you get the end users to really commit it. You get the IT folks to really commit it. And then you get the top management to commit it. So all of these are working in tandem. So without the end users, without the business users, uh, working towards all this digital transformation, I tell you, it's no use. It will be a white elephant. They will not uh, involve. They they have that lacquer cider kind of attitude. But if they are involved, they are passionate about it, and it's a flavor of the year kind of a uh, uh, issues. Then they will do it. You know, mm-hmm. see. So but, when mm-hmm. no, sorry, oh please go ahead. So whenever you have that digital strategies. Always, always responds to the business goals and align to the financial goals. Then you get the CFO to uh, help you. You get the president or the, the CEO to help you because they know that if, they, if we can't actually deliver this, it will impact their KPI, they will impact their business uh, strategies. Yep. Um, what, what kind of success metrics are you looking at? Because I think uh, you have to justify in investment. Um, how fast do you expect uh, when you invest in a new innovation uh, initiative or digital initiative or new technology implementation, how fast do you expect it to materialize in terms of results? Are you generally a patient person? No, I'm not a patient person. <laughs> And none, none of our board or our president or our patient person, our stakeholders. Um, whenever you embark a digital strategy or in any application development, uh, you need to guesstimate the return of investment. Uh, I always share this. Uh, you can always uh, read about the Forrester Total Economy Impact, TEI, Total Economy Impact. Foresters did a lot of Total Economy Impact for a lot of product and services out there, for IT product and services out there. So, for example, like if you want to introduce or modernize your finance system, for example, mm. so you go and Google Forrester Total Economy Impact um, uh, on the financial system, and then you can see the return of investment that they actually put up for certain financial system in the mm-hmm. Forrester. And then you have to guesstimate and apply that for your organization. It's just a guesstimate. Mm-hmm. So whenever you embark the project, 
after, during the, the, the project itself, because before you, you present it to the management, you need to have that guesstimate ROI, right? So they look at it. Okay. Then after that, you implement it, you develop and implement it. And then within the six months, you need to come up with the return of investment and guesstimate and forecast it for years to come. Mm-hmm. Because after six months of implementing your, your application development, you can see some of the results or uh, improvement. Improvement or non-improvement or nothing works or everything. You can see it within that six months. Mm-hmm. Then you calculate the return of investment again and then make a comparison, the guesstimate and the actual. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's not better. So this is where uh, we get to um, uh, get a nod from our board, from our top management, because we present all this data and, uh, and we managed to get away, or not to say to get away, we managed to get a nod or go ahead uh, for many others, um, uh, digital uh, investment, because we presented the data. So you need to have that baseline. And then uh, even, even you don't have a baseline, you need to guess that baseline. Mm-hmm. So, so it comes with the experience you in, but you can always refer that that Forrester total economic impact. I, I really love uh, that 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 uh, the one that Forrester did uh, for total economy, but because you learn a lot from that, and then you can you know uh, um, conceptualize it, and then you can actually guesstimate for your own environment. So that's how we do it. Um, if let's say um it doesn't match your guesstimate, do you kill the project? Um, what's your stance around? A POC that's not as successful as you thought it'd be in the beginning. So we start small and then uh, we fail fast. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have a start small, we as a scale uh, fast and then we fail fast. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did some of a POC, uh, uh, some of it with some money, some of it with a uh, with the, uh, um, vendor um, that, that give us for free. And, and some of it is bust. Uh, we, we can't actually uh, work it out because after, after the POC, it doesn't work in Syrian. It works in some, some other places, but it does not work in Syrian. So what we do is we scrap it and then we, we turn around into another uh, technology that actually more cost-effective, more affordable for us to do it and more uh, relevant to us. So that's what we did. So many of our uh, POC or proof of concept uh, that's not working, we just stop it. And then some of um, uh, things that we tried, uh, for example, like you know, like customer relationship management system, we tried for uh, for the past three years because of our technical debts. There's a lot of challenges that we face uh, to come up with that CRM. But we know that this is important for CRM and we will continue to do it and then to look into ways and means and pivot our tactics and strategy and then change our um, uh, technical part and then um, do that uh, business process re-engineering to make sure that we have the uh, CRM in place. So, uh, So because of that, um, uh, to answer your question, some of it we persistent to do it. Some of it we felt that 
this is not working and then we couldn't get a buy-in from the end user and we scrap it. And some of it are, are very, very successful. So we have all flavors. We've tried it uh, uh, many, many ways and means. But the most important thing is keep pivoting. Mm-hmm. Keep change your tactics. Your North Star is the same thing. You want a, bot- a top line, you want a bottom line, you want the customer experience, you want the employee experience. That top North Star is still intact, but change your tactics. Change your, your, your um, approach. Change, you know, you have to pivot all the time. Experiment. All the time. <laughs> wow, sounds like a lot of uh thinking for for you, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's amazing that you still stay so young. <laughs> I'm not young. <laughs> you look young and you sound young and very energetic. I think compared to um average people. <laughs> Oh, thank okay. you, thank you. <laughs> I think I think we've come to almost the end of today's episode. Um, the the theme that I think has revolved around our conversation is on agility. Uh, on agility, it seems to be something that you echo a lot. Yeah, Puan and Tan. Yes. Um, maybe a couple of like last uh few words for our audience, right? Um, as a role, uh, what do you expect to? Uh, continue in your journey what kind of applications new technology are you looking at over the next three to five years um, and where do you see uh, the industry as well in Malaysia in ASEAN uh, what's exciting uh, what's up and coming for for, for everyone yeah um, the buzzword uh, for for nowadays is AI right so, um, mm-hmm. although although Malaysia uh, some parts of uh, industry are still uh, into digitization, so they still need the data. But uh, with the with the AI, you can see that you can skip many many processes, and then you can actually introduce AI uh, immediately. Uh, in that sense, yeah, because it's 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 the norm now. So I can foresee that uh, in a in a in a few months ahead uh, uh, for this year. Uh, Serum is cooking something on AI. Uh, we will come out with a center of excellence and helping the industry. Uh, and also, um, I can see uh, over the next three to five years, ESG is the most important thing that people are talking about because of the climate change, because of the food security, uh, because of the energy deficiency. So watch out on that space. There will be a lot of um, advancement, a lot of technological uh, changes and and innovation in that space on the ESG. Um, And then uh, people are looking more affordable ESG because now the public listed company and the, all the industry that will impact the environment, looking at ways and means uh, to improve uh, the environment, the planet, right? And then Serim um, uh, uh, has been successfully introduced many industry in- innovation. We will continue to help the industry uh, via technology audit we have a technology audit uh, for the industry adopted uh, uh, that we introduced many years ago. And then uh, Serenity will design the specific technology intervention for that company needs. So Serim is here to help the industry, uh, be it the IT, be it the uh, SME, be it the manufacturing. So we are here to help 
and to assist uh, as much as possible uh, in that sense. Thank you very much, Puan Intan, for being here today with us. I'm sure the audience actually enjoyed the conversation as much as I do. Uh, appreciate your time and I hope to see you in the next episode and next activity uh, across ASEAN. Thank you so much, Yin and uh, AIBP for having me. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. For more information about business growth in the ASEAN region, please visit our website www.iotbusiness-platform.com.